Hello and welcome to Just One Cornetto, a podcast discussing all things Green at Morton. My name is Dean McKinnon and I'm your host. Just One Cornetto is brought to you in association with themortonforum.com, your hub for the latest Morton news, analysis and debate. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at The Morton Forum. A quick warning that this podcast may contain a bit of adult language. Thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. Just one cornetto, give it to me, delicious ice cream of Italy, delight and chocolate give me cornetto. everyone and welcome to another episode of Just One Cornetto, brought to you in association with themortonforum.com and the Inverclyde Boiler Company. Well after 32 years of waiting to play Hearts, I think it's safe to say that I'd be quite happy to wait another 32 before we played them again. It was a comfortable performance from the visitors and they ran out 2-0 winners at Capolo thanks to a Jamie Walker double, sending the away side top of the championship. Joining me to analyse the game, we have Evan McFarlane. How are you Evan? I'm not too bad, but... And we've got Louise Rogers. How are you, Louise? Yeah, I'm okay, thanks. All right, we will get stuck straight into it. We will go to you first, Evan. What did you make of the result and the performance? Pretty much as expected, wasn't it? Like, exactly as expected. We sat in, tried to just frustrate them, tried to hit them in the break. Didn't really work. And as soon as their second goal went in, that was that was, that was it done. Because... Uh, we had nothing to hit them with after, you know, the initial game plan of just try to uh, hit them in the break. Didn't work. We just did nothing. And we knew we would have nothing. So I, it was pretty much a complete and utter waste of time. But yeah, waste of 16 quid. Uh, and I would happily never watch us play hard ever again. Anything to, to add to that, Louise? No, pretty much the same. You were expecting Morton to just sit back and just let hearts play into them, but when you look at the starting 11, I'm just having a look at it there. Look, you're reading through it, and there's literally two attackers in it McKeever and McPake. I wouldn't really class, even though Muirhead wears a number nine, I wouldn't really class him as an attacker. Um, Omar playing at kind of right wing back. Still don't really know what position he plays in. I suppose he was kind of brought in as an attacker, but he's not really done much attacking when he's played, and I don't actually think any of them have really attacked, to be honest. Over the last few games, it's it's just so boring to watch. Like it's, it's just shit. And I'm, I'm one that will buy the stream every week. I'm seriously contemplating not even buying it next week because I, I just don't think I can go another 90 minutes watching that shit. If we're not going to bother attacking, then we've got no chance of staying up. So what, what's the point of us all kind of tuning in to watch, to watch that, basically? Given the result and performance today, and we'll go to you first with this, Lon Louise, why do you think the today of all days has been the breaking point going by the reaction on social media and Twitter. What is it about today's result and performance that has really put fans off with buying streams and engaging with the club? I think it's just the way that you've seen Hearts' last two results. They've played Dunfermline and they played Alwa in the Cup. Dunfermline got right in their faces for the start and I know Dunfermline are a better team than us. Like That's that's fine, but you seen they just got stuck right into them, scored the goals. Alwa, even though they scored a penalty in extra time, it was still a win against an underdog as such, the same as what Morton are. 
And I feel that Morton are just giving too much of these teams respect. Like I both the last couple of weeks, Hearts yesterday, they're just not going out to attack at all. What we were saying before the game that he just wants to kind of, we'll sit in and see how it goes. No, don't sit in. Go in their faces. We had McPake and McKeever. McPake barely touched the ball yesterday. It was just constantly going down the left-hand side to Muirhead and he wasn't really doing much of the ball and he wasn't the worst on the pitch yesterday, but they were all pretty shit, let's be honest. But give the ball to McPake. You seen any time he got the ball yesterday, he was trying to make things work. He was running at them. It's, it's just so frustrating to watch and it's boring. Like, I'm just really bored watching it and I don't know if it's watching from home. I don't know if it'd be better watching it at the games, but it's just it's just so shit to watch. We've got a complete diddy team mentality at the minute, and you just feel like we're beaten before we've even went out on the pitch, and that just seems to be Hopkins' attitude, and it's probably going to wear off on the players as well. There's no point. I know we're going to go into this a wee bit later, but there's absolutely no point in us paying for sleeves at the minute, because what is the point in watching this Martin team just slog through games, just grind out points, there's nothing, there's no entertainment in it. And I know it's not David Hopkins' responsibility to entertain us, but there is no incentive. There's absolutely no incentive to watch that Morton team at the minute. And especially when you've got to do it in the house, in front of your laptop, listening to Jerry McDade and Andy Ritchie for 90 minutes. I, I should I should be fair, because I said in the very first podcast that we did that I just wanted a nice, dull, boring season. I would happily take that just so we can make the transition over to MCT as easy as possible. But now that it's actually happening, my God, man, I did not think it would be this bad and this <laughs> boring. I'm just so, so bored of it and I don't see it really getting any better anytime soon. So given the run of form and the lack of goals in this Morton team, how do you see the situation improving or do you think the situation will improve going forward or do you think that this squad of players and this management team are quite rigid in their approach? Do you think we will see a change? We should be doing better than what I mean, we're currently doing because we've got all these attackers and he's not playing them. He's playing about two out of the 12 that we've got. He keeps playing Jim and Kyle Jacobs in the middle and I think one of them probably Jim should be sacrificed to bring in the likes of like a Reese Lyon or a Luca Colville or even like a Gary Oliver or something just to try and get a bit more oomph up front. See this whole five at the back, two sitting midfielders, it's never going to work. Somebody said this on uh, the terrace who we were talking about this through the week and that we are exactly what Hopkins' Livingston team were perceived to be but we do not have the players that actually made them functional and actually made them successful. We've just got the physical hoofball elements and nothing that actually makes that work. We, we do not have a focal point up top whatsoever. Like McKeever had a pretty thankless task yesterday, running about just trying to get on any balls that he could. But we do not have someone like a, a Lee Miller, for example, that actually knows how to play that role and can bring others into play, etc. I think, is there an inherent risk looking towards January and towards the January transfer window, given we're carrying a 21 or a 22-man squad, which I don't know if you were listening to, to Open All Mics yesterday, but Chick Young was talking about our goalkeeper situation and he just happened to mention the budget. Call me cynical, but I don't think that was a line and 
a narrative that Chick Young dreamt up on his own, which again feeds into the, the kind of diddy team mentality that you touched on there, Evan. Are these the sort of noises that should be coming out of the club? Now, when you look at our financial situation, yeah, it's poor, bordering on worrying, but that's hardly an exclusive problem to Morton, especially in the second tier. You look at the losses that Inverness posted, you know, the way that, that Wraith were, were asking fans to donate during the pandemic. Why do you think we persist with this narrative in the media and in the club's communications? And what would you like to see it change to? Ideally, I would just like to see us show a bit of aspiration, uh, which, I mean, to be fair, Crawford did um, a couple of years ago with McKinnon and says that he wanted to get into the Premiership after Dougie passed away and that he knew Morton could be there and McKinnon was making all the right noises, etc. When, when he came in as well. But that was the only time in Crawford's tenure, at least, that that was trotted out. And it's now very much back to, oh, well, you know, this this is where we are and, uh, you know, this is what we need to be. We do finances to compete, etc. And... I would hope that the MCT coming in, that attitude would change and that we would see clubs like Hamilton and Livingston, St. Johnston, St. Mirren, whatever, similar size to ourselves that have managed to get into the top flight and make a success of it. That we do not have to have this attitude of that, you know, this is where we are, this is where we are supposed to be. I would like to see that changed. And I do feel if the club made the right noises and the club had that attitude and showed a genuine not, not even financially but just a genuine ambition to get into the Premiership and to go forward that it would rub off on supporters as well we, we've not had that for the majority of the tenure unfortunately we have been a diddy team and we've been told to just back that diddy team and not ask any questions What about yourself Louise have you got anything that you would add to that or, or disagree with? No, I, I totally agree with the Diddy team mentality. Crawford did give us that wee bit of hope that we had that kind of three-year plan to get to the Premiership and then that was gone within like a couple of months of the season even starting. I just can't wait to have like this kind of fresh start with MCT take over. I think kind of fan engagement is a big thing with it as well. The fact that you, you look at other kind of teams' Twitter accounts and they engage with their fans quite a lot and we literally match day updates, a match report and a weekly update every week. There's just nothing to entice fans to kind of want to come and watch Morton and things. So, and this whole kind of budget thing that they always go on about, like what they kind of slagging MCT for not giving enough money. Like, see if they had a product on the park that it's exciting to watch, then maybe they wouldn't be kind of moaning about budgets all the time because we'd all be jumping to go and watch them every we do obviously being Morton fans but knowing Morton fans and things that they might go oh come and watch that sounds exciting Morton won 5 nil this weekend etc but there's just nothing on the park to entice people to pay money into Morton I don't think I think there's there's two things that jump out at me when we talk about when we hear this narrative and the kind of diddy team mentality the moons about the budget I don't buy for a second because Morton Club together contribute a substantial amount every month into the first team budget. On the back of that, let's bear in mind, this is a 22-man squad. In that 22-man squad, we've got one player capable of playing right wing back, possibly two if you include Jacobs. In this shape, we've got one goalkeeper. 
But you can't moan about the budget when we chose to retain players that it was plainly obvious are not good enough. We've recruited, and this will probably sound harsher than I mean it to sound, Rabin Omar right now is not a championship level player and is not a right wing back. This is not the season, I've said this before, this is not the season to be arsing about with people that I would class as project players who next season or the season after might be championship level players. This is not the season to do it. And the other thing is, when you look at the four months or five months of lockdown, how much commercial activity did Morton have? Now, I understand that staff members were furloughed and that created some challenges, but look at other clubs at our level, look at the amount of money that Dunfermline managed to generate during the lockdown. Same with Wraith Rovers, same with Falkirk, same with Partick Thistle. Now, I can't imagine that the difficulties caused by furlough were exclusive to Morton. So if you're going to show disinterest and incompetence in these basics of getting supporters engaged and getting money into the club and generating revenue, then signing a 22-man squad, you've got a bit of a cheek to then moan about the budget and feed lines to BBC to get this narrative of too wee, too poor, too stupid. It's not good enough. And I think that is what frustrates fans more than on pitch performances. We know playing in the Championship, we know playing against teams like Hearts, that we are going to need to dig in. You know, none of us are daft enough to pretend otherwise. But competence off the field, I think, buys you a lot more patience and time when things don't go to plan on it. But we're in a situation at the moment where actually our objectives for the season are pretty much being made on the pitch, albeit not in an aesthetically pleasing and an incredibly frustrating way. But our performance off the pitch, probably since the start of this pandemic, I think that's the real source of fans' frustration. And it just happens to be that it's taken a performance such as yesterday or, you know, the nothing each other both. That's been the kind of catalyst for this frustration coming out. Is it a case then... Sorry, I've ranted on for about what feels like about five minutes there. But is this just the manifestation of let's just get through this season, cut ties with the current ownership and start afresh? Or do you see an issue like this carrying on after the takeover? It shouldn't have been an issue to Hopkins. At the, at the end of the day, regardless of who the ownership is this season or next season, it should not have been an issue to him. His performance is still judged on what we do in the pitch this season. And whilst... I don't know, maybe, like, as I say, it might, it might be difficult to criticise them for playing the garbage, attritional football that we are this season when it is kind of getting results and it's probably going to keep us in the division, which is what we should be doing. But as you said, then you can absolutely criticise him for the recruitment and the size of the squad, how bloated it is in certain areas and just some of the bizarre decisions we've made in terms of recruitment. He, more than any other season, had to get this spot on. And he'd, he'd more time than he was ever going to get to get it spot on as well. And I know I know things were a bit more uncertain. I know it's un- unprecedented times and all that. But stuff like Rabin on, like getting contracts to Muirhead, when you know it, 
you already know exactly what you're going to get from him. Still not having a goalkeeper for this point, and still not having anyone that can play right back that isn't Michael Ledger, who isn't actually a right back, who is a single defender by trade, uh, not having any backup to strap, and having no way of getting all the attacking players that you've signed into an actual system. Still not having worked that out for December. You can act, absolutely pin that on Hopkins. That is poor management. And that, that goes into him. The budget was there to make a competitive enough squad for this season. And we've I mean, we've failed. There's just so many glaring weaknesses in it, and we have failed. So I will happily record that three-year podcast, lambasting the board, everything else, finances, but recruitment is entirely down to Hopkins this season, and uh, he has made a bit of an arse. What about yourself, Louise? Do you think the... The criticism of Hopkins recruitment has been fair. Yes, I think it's totally fair. I think when we got in Omar, we, we were all a bit kind of 50 50 and we thought, well, he was good in the lower league, so we'll give him a chance in the championship. I still don't know what position that Omar is actually supposed to be in. He's played at right wing back, centre mid. I think he had one wee spell kind of out in the wing. His recruitment's been really poor. The fact we've still not got a goalkeeper, we've still not got a proper right back. No ledger has been playing at right back. and he's been alright any time I've seen him play but when you look at the likes of Regan Tumulty doing well at race it makes you think why did we let him go was it the did he want to go did he not get on with him was it the two year kind of secure contract he had at race I don't know but our squad is so much weaker than last season it's it's actually frightening if this keeps up for the rest of the season we've not we've not scored in four of our six league games this season which is worrying if you don't score goals in games we're not going to win any games so it, I think it's just only going to get worse to be honest with you Just One Cornetto is brought to you in association with the Inverclyde Boiler Company we are an Inverclyde based award winning boiler company since our incorporation, we have established ourselves as the go-to company for all things boilers in Inverclyde, known for our unrivaled service and professionalism in fitting new boilers. We are now the lead accredited installer of Worcester Bosch and Ideal Boilers in Inverclyde, installing over 400 boilers last year, and that's no easy achievement. At the Inverclyde Boiler Company, the customer is everything, from our family to yours. The team will be with you every step of the way to ensure your boiler installation is as smooth, straightforward and simple as it can be. We are a company that takes pride in our staff along with the integrity and quality of our work. With our stringent quality control policies and safety visits in place, you are guaranteed the highest quality of service, delivery, installation and aftercare. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. You can email us info at theinverclydeboilercompany.co.uk or call us on 01475 503 304. Alright, guys, we will move on from there. Elsewhere in the division, Inverness overran Queen of the South 3 0 in Dumfries on Friday night. Air United overcame Alloa 2 0 at the end of Drill Stadium with Andy Murdoch getting the second goal for the visitors who were reduced to 10 men in the closing stages. Paul McGowan grabbed the only goal as Dundee beat their Angus rivals are both 1-0. Two goals in two minutes for Dunfermline snatched a point away at high-flying high Wraith Rovers, who were 2-0 up at half-time, with Declan McManus grabbing the equaliser. Looking towards the rest of December, next week we'll, we take on Dunfermline up in Fife. We then play Queen of the South, Inverness on Boxing Day, and then aired before the close of the year. How confident are you guys looking at that set of fixtures? 
given the run that we're on at the moment. We played them for away next week, who are unbeaten this season. They've been scoring goals for fun, so I can't really see us picking up anything on Saturday. Queen of the South, the week after, that's turning into a really, really important game, and I think we really need to pick up the three points. Because that's basically who we're playing against, like them, Alouette or Broth. That's probably going to be our kind of mini league this season. So we really need to win against Queen of the South, Inverness and Air. I can't really see picking up any points either. I don't, I don't have any motivation to even watch these games anymore. So yeah, I think we're kind of best bet is hopefully get three points against Queen of the South next Saturday. Um, two weeks on Saturday. What about yourself, Evan? I think, um, hopefully anyway, we'll grind something out against Queen. But then Fernland, Inverness, Air, uh, I'll tell you, right now, we will get Seahaw for them. Literally, if, if we beat Queens, we'll keep ourselves sort of above water, I think. Um, I think our aspirations at this point just has to be that they stay as bad as they've been and I'll stay as bad as they are at the minute as well. Uh, and that's all we can really hope for. So we just need to keep, we need to take maximum points for the games that we do play against them and Iowa. And that'll be it. The rest, uh, I, I cannot believe a game against Inverness, Cali Thistle, and a game against Air United is a free hit. And that's, that is the stage we have gone to. For anything taken for them will just be a bonus at this point. Um, I'm, I'm not particularly confident at all. Brilliant, guys. Looking at the championship table before we leave you, Hearts are top on 15 points, followed by Dunfermline on 14, Wraith and Air both sitting third and fourth on 11, Inverness on 10, Dundee on 8. We're sitting in 7th place with 7 points. Below us, Queen of the South on 4, Arbroath on 2, and Aloha on 1. That's us for another episode, guys. We will be back following next week's game away at Dunfermline. Thank you to Evan and Louise for joining us. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all soon. Mm-hmm.